know that you should go, uh, that's, that, it, that is an, a particular message, but if you don't have an application to it, it doesn't really help you as much. Okay? So we're going to talk about how to go to the cross. We said we're going to do about four things, have about four things. You could take many things from the Easter uh, message, of course, and the Easter, uh, you know, the Passover, everything. You can take a lot of things from that. But we're going to uh, draw, we said four, and, and it's five now. So hopefully it'll, it'll be the last message on Sunday on that. Then we'll, we'll be next Sunday. Then we're going to the uh, Mother's Day. I think Mother's Day is the second Sunday in next month. And from there we will... See what God has for us as far as a new building. Uh, we should be in it the Sunday after Mother's Day, but of course it always depends upon rain and things like, like that as for the outside. Uh, but no later, it shouldn't be any later than uh, the fourth Sunday of the month. I think it's five Sundays in May. So we are looking forward to it. Uh, the Seventh day of Venice, our pastor told me that he hates to see us go because we've been a, a, a real a, a joy to them. And uh, it is a re- it's, it's really a testimony of God in you. you know? So it's, it's really good. And we have really paved the way for another group of people who may want to use this building on a Sunday. So that's exciting also. Now we said number one that we can draw from it is that you must know God's will for your life. His general will and his specific will. Number two, we said that we must be faithful to that will. Number three, we introduced last Sunday, which was we must go to the cross. And today, we want to uh, go to the fourth one, which is uh, how to go to the cross, meaning that you must know how to go to the cross. You know, it's one thing to know that you should, of course, uh, go over to the other side or go uh, to somebody's house, but you need to know how to get there, too. You need an address so you can put it on your GPS, so you need some directions. So these are directions this Sunday. In Luke 9, 23, let's review that scripture that I gave last week. And he, ha- he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So we went through that. And then the next scripture that I gave was in Luke 14, 26 to 27, which said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother and his wife, his children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So that's where we ended last Sunday. Now let's lay a foundation of how do you go to the cross? Let's say the foundation. Look at, let's look at in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, and uh, it's some controversial, of course, of who uh, wrote the epistle. Uh, some say Paul, some say, uh, you know, Luke, some say Apollos, and really, we really don't know who wrote Hebrews, but we do know that the first, probably about nine probably about the first nine chapters of doctrine chapters. And we're going to start in verse in chapter 10, verse 19. It's already laid the foundation that Jesus Christ is more superior to Moses. He's more superior than uh, Aaron and all the priesthood. He's more superior than the angels. That foundation has already been laid in the other chapters before you get to chapter 10 
Also, in part of chapter 10, it tells us that the blood of goats and, and bulls cannot, and lambs, it cannot, cannot take away sins. It cannot take away sins. But the blood of Jesus did. And that's, of course, Easter. We separate, we celebrate that all the time. You know, every Easter. Now, since the blood of Jesus cleanses us from a consciousness of sin, because in the law, when you, they would, uh, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year, uh, he sacrificed blood for his, his own sin and the sins of the people, uh, those sins that uh, they didn't, the sins of ignorance, per se, they didn't know they were sinning, but he, he, you know, sacrificed blood for them and for himself. But they didn't take away consciousness of sin, but the blood of Jesus, it takes away the consciousness. Then let's start in verse 19. Therefore, brethren, since you have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus and by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And we remember uh, uh, the, the veil uh, split right down the middle there. We remember that. And that's signifying that no longer do you have to have a high priest going in for you. Now, each person they are priests. We are all priests. Okay? And we can all go into the holy of holies, the holiest. We can go into it. And saying that we can go into it because of his flesh, his body that was sacrificed. And it says, verse 21, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us, and it gives you some things we, we, we need to do, let us draw near with a sincere heart. In full assurance of faith and having our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So he tells us that when you come in the presence of, of God, which it's going to take when, you go, when, when you're going to do anything as far as what we're talking about today, which is we said we're going to tell you how, how we are going to go to the cross. You need to come before God. Second thing we need to do in verse 23, let us hold fast our confidence, our confession of our hope without wavering, because he's, he's faithful who promised it. So we have, to, we have to come before Jesus with a full assurance that he's going to accept us. You know, you have to come before him holding fast to our confession without wavering that he's faithful because he's promised then it says in verse 24, and let us consider how to stimulate one another daily. This word consider means that we need to be aware of one another. This word stimulate means to, to provoke. That means that we need to go to one another. We need to help one another to uh, be responsible for what God has said in his word. Then it says, not forsaking the similar ourselves together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And when you come together, you, you, you're going to have comfort. You're going to have encouragement. You're going to have strength. And so he's saying here that these are all important things when you come before God because these are times where shaking is going on. Shaking is going on. And you know that in a, in a tree sometimes when you start shaking a tree, that which is not stable falls off. 
And so, whether it leaves, whether it be whatever, it, it's just why I guess when the fall comes, uh, the, the leaves fall off. Yeah? We don't want to fall off. He's encouraging the, the Hebrew Christians here, because we're talking about now, we're, we're talking about uh, epistle to the, to the Hebrews. And so he's talking about a lot of things about the law and, and, and all those things, sacrifice which they know of. So the majority of this church, they're Hebrew Christians. Now we have some people in this church, just like people in every church all over the world, some profess to be Christians, maybe even been baptized, but they are not really saved. They're not really walking the walk. They haven't really uh, changed at all. They just went through the motions. You have that in this church. And so what this author is doing, he's saying that what I need to do here, I need to uh, stabilize my Jewish brethren here. What I need to do is make sure that they don't go back to Judaism. They don't, they don't need to go back. They need to hold fast their confession of the faith. And see, if, if you're going to do that, it takes all of us to do that. So he's saying that make sure that, that you are, are don't forsake the assembling yourselves together because when you're assembling together, there is strength, there's hope, there's encouragement, you know, there's comfort. And he's saying here that, that you're not going to ever be able to help one another if you don't know one another. You're going to have to know somebody in order to, to provoke somebody. There's no need to come up with somebody you don't even talk to, you don't even speak to, you don't even know their name, and, and tell them, say, look, you need to be responsible for, for what God's called you to do. They're not going to listen to you. They're not. You wouldn't listen to them either. So he's saying that the, 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 the whole body here, and what he's telling us is very important. We need to do the same thing. He says... In verse 26, for if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer sacrifice, a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of the judgment and the fear of the fire which will consume the adversaries. Now, this is not written to scare any Christians whatsoever, to upset any Christians whatsoever. All he's doing is saying that, look, you can't straddle this fence and go, go you know, look at, at, at uh, what, what the Jewish traditions of all. Look at whether, I wonder whether it's worth it to follow Christ because they were going through some persecutions too. Because if you were a Jew during that time and you left Judaism and went to Christianity, your family would disown you. You know, it's not, not too good. And he's telling them that, look, you can't do that. You're going to have to stand firm and jump on this other side of the fist, which is the Christianity, and stay there. Don't be wavering back and forth. Because you can't uh, go back. If you go back, there's no longer a sacrifice for you. So some people use this as saying that um, the Christians, when they read that, they say Christians can lose their salvation. Uh, some people say, well, no, they're talking about Christians who are backsliding. And uh, then others say, okay, no, no, these, he's talking to some of the ones in the church who really were not uh, born again at all. They profess Christianity, they are baptized, but they're not really uh, saved. And we are going on that third one, okay? Because a Christian, it, it, it doesn't go along with the rest of Hebrews. It doesn't go along with the New Testament that you have to be concerned with your salvation once you give your life to Jesus Christ. We believe that, that if you give your life to Jesus Christ, there is security of a believer. But the key word is a believer, 
We don't believe that uh, just because you backslide, there's no more sacrifice for you. You, you know, you're going to fail. But all, all of us will be gone. You know, because all of us sin at some point in time. You know? So it's not talking about that. So therefore, it's talking to those people who were sitting there, Jews, who professed Christianity, but they weren't really born again. So he's trying to let them know that. But if we, if we apply to today's time, don't we all need encouraging that, look, uh, don't be wavering back and forth and going back into the world. You can't go back into the world. See, you have, you have people uh, uh, in, in, in the church, no matter what, where the church is, Minnesota, I don't care where it is, Canada, it doesn't matter where the church is. You have people sitting in the church who uh, sometimes they are there because their parents are there. Sometimes they are there because they like the music. Sometimes they are there because of whatever is close to the home. It doesn't matter. They are there for whatever reason. Okay, And so they may understand the language, you know, the Christies, uh, uh, the, you know, that you talk about the cross, they understand the cross, they understand all those type of things. I've talked to many people who understand what Christianity is supposed to be like. But see, we're talking about not just the understanding, we're talking about actually being saved. We're talking about walking in the truth. See? So we, we need to be, as a body of believers here at Cornerstone, we need to be flat out for Jesus Christ. I mean, sold out for Jesus Christ. We need to be... Uh, uh, getting ourselves in a position where we can go to one another and encourage one another and, and uh, uh, ask one another, say, what's going on in your life? You know, uh, you know, what's the state of your soul? You know, oh, what's the state of my soul? What do you mean by what's the state of your soul? You know, is your soul well? I mean, how are you doing? You know, how are you doing with sin? You know, uh, how are you coming along? What's God saying to you? What's God doing in your life? You know, all those type of things. Uh, uh, we need to be able to go to people like that because we are one. We are a body of believers. You see? We care about one another. That's why it says consider one another. We care about one another. If you don't care about one another, you don't care what the, what, what, how they're doing. You don't care about their soul. only thing you care about you and yours. That's not what God is saying. Okay? Now that's the foundation of going to the cross. Okay? Let's build on that foundation. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. It says, Do not judge... They should be judged. For with the, with the way you judge, you will be judged. Meaning that whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you again. And why do you look at, at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Now, we've read that scripture many times. Okay? And so a lot of times we, we misuse that scripture and we'll say, don't be judging me, you know. The scripture said, don't judge me, you know. Don't judge anybody, you know. Well, really, this scripture is not telling you, actually, not to, not to speak to somebody, not to, uh, about sin or anything like that. It's not talking about that. Uh, a judge, what does a judge do in a legal court? He pronounced judgment, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, the jury can go out and deliberate and all those type of things, but the judge is going to be one that says, okay, you're sentenced to life. You know, or you, you know, you're free. Where did it go? The judge is going to be the one to do that. We are not the judge. There's only one judge. That's Jesus Christ. Okay? So we're not the judge. We're not to condemn. But we are to discern. We are to help one another. If, if, if we weren't to discern, uh, what's even what's good, then he wouldn't uh, we, we would might as well white out of our Bible when it says that, you know, we need to be aware of false teachers. You know, how are you going to be aware of false teachers? And, and, and uh, uh, if you don't 
have any kind of discernment. You know, you know, you tell the false teacher, I can't judge you, so you can go on and teach. You know, no, you're not going to do that. You know, he says that if you find a person who is um, rebellious, you know, uh, you you rebuke rebuke them one time, and the second time, and then have nothing to do with them. You know, how how are you going to do that? You know. How can he says that, you know, why are you going to the law, uh, to the to, you know, court system, civil law? Why are you going to them? Don't you have somebody in your church who can judge what's right and what's wrong? Why are you going to the civil law? There's no need to do that if you're not going to judge anybody. If you don't have anybody that can judge, we don't have anybody. We don't judge anybody, Jesus. So that scripture doesn't apply to us, you know. No, we can't say that. So you know he doesn't mean that. So what is he talking about then? About respect. Into somebody's eye, but you have a, you, you're not noticing the log that's in your eye. And verse 4 says, Or oh, how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log that's in your, your eye? It says, You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. Then you can see clearly how to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So if we take that in context, he's not telling us not to help the person over their fault. He's not telling us that. Actually, he's telling us to help a person. If you had a splinter in your eye, if you had a speck of sawdust in your eye, if you had a grain of sand in your eye, you're going to be a hurting sister or brother, aren't you? I know when I get something in my eye, it's just a little uh, uh, piece of hair eyelid. I said, Minerva, help. Get this thing out of my eye, you know, because uh, and she said, you get it out. I mean, I can't get it out. You know, you get it out. You know, I don't want to stick this something in your eye. You might poke your eye. You, you know, I'll help you, you know. So she helps me, but... I, it's no longer, I can't have fun with something in my eye. I, can you? You know? I mean, it hurts. It hurts. You know, I put water in it. I do some of everything to try to get this thing out. I'm paying a close attention to it. Well, if you know how to get the speck out of somebody's eye, do you care enough to do it? Yeah, you want to care enough. But the scripture is saying that, first of all, before you do that, get a log out of your own eye. Now, that could mean several things. Let's talk about one of the things it could mean. One of the things would be that a lot of times we see faults. God has given us the ability to see faults. You know, uh, you don't see your own fault. I don't see my own fault, but other people see it. And so when we see it, how do we respond? What is our attitude? Do we have a critical spirit? Do we have... Um, you know, uh, compassion and sensitivity to the other person. See? And a lot of times what happens is that we have an attitude about this person because this person did something to me, you know. So if this person did something to me, of course, that's a speck. But see, the way you responded, your attitude makes you have a law. So it says get the log out of your own eye. Then you can see clearly how to get the speck out of somebody else's eye. You see, change your attitude, you know, change your attitude. And I know that sometimes um, as I was, you know, really reading uh, the, you know, book I told you about, Cabaret Road, I was reading that. And it came to my thought system that I'm too insensitive, you know, insensitive to people who do things wrong to me. And I said, well, I'm not holding bitterness. I'm not holding unforgiveness. Uh, I just don't want to see them anymore. 
I don't, I don't want to think about them. If I didn't see them, no more till I get to heaven, it's fine, you know? Yeah? But see, that's a, that's a wrong attitude. That's a wrong attitude. See? Uh, I remember one time, if you know sports pretty much, a lot of times these prep schools, they get the best player out of the high schools and, and, and put them on their team, and, and they are a showcase of talent for college scouts. And one year I was coaching, um, I had this fellow on the team that he got cut off the junior high team. I was in high school, school coaching, and he, he got cut off the junior high team. His father came to me and said, uh, the eighth grade coach cut my son, and my son is good, you know. Uh, what can you do? So I said, well, what I can do is help your son be better that when he gets to the ninth grade, maybe he'll make the JV team. So I, I got uh, audio tapes for him on, on how uh, uh, people who got cut who were great Great professional athletes, you know. Uh, I spent time with them, spent time with the family and things like that. This dude got in a, in a, in a, in a uh, as a junior, going up to be a uh, junior, and for his senior year, uh, he was recruited by this prep school, and he left me. I mean, he left me. After all I had done for him, you know, I said, just sorry, dude, you know. You know, I, you know, I went to his house, you know, tried to talk to his parents, and they were insistent, and, and, um, so I said, look, this man don't care anything about you. He, he, you know, he, all the thing he's care about is winning, you know. Well, you know, you want to keep my son because you care about winning. Well, look, he wasn't on my team in eighth grade. I cared enough to help him, you know. Uh, so anyway, he left. And later on, uh, he ended up um, drinking and uh, he, he didn't make it. He didn't make it. He got a scholarship to another school. He didn't make it, you know. Uh, and he came back during the year, uh, and I was telling Minerva today, I'm too insensitive because I really didn't want to see him. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't care anything about him, you know, really, because he left me. I wasn't about to help him, you know. I wasn't about to invite him over to my house and try to get him out of, out of drinking and all that kind of stuff. Let his prep school do it, you know, since he loved them so much, you know. Uh, and see, now y'all don't have attitudes like that. I know you don't, you know. I know you don't. But that's, the, and I said, well, you know, I'm too insensitive, you know. And of course, Lord Fox can tell you I was worse before I was saved, you know. <laughs> Much worse. Lord told me, I said, you were mean, you know. I said, <laughs> I said, yeah, you know, I was, I was unsaved, I was a heathen, you know. Uh-huh. But I mean, I, I didn't care. You know, I said, hey, don't run in the halls, you know. If they're going to run in the hall, you know, and go hurt himself, let them lay there and bleed, you know. Hey, let them lay there and bleed. Huh? Huh? I, was, I was pretty insensitive, I'm telling you, pretty insensitive. You see? God brings things to your attention like that, and you're going to have to take it to the cross, you see. And see, well, the thing is that this person might have a speck because... They were running the hall. This person might have a speck because they decided they want to, you know, uh, leave the person who had, had helped them come all the for this, this distance, you know, because I worked with them in the summers. I, I, I did a whole lot. So, but that's only a speck. How about the beam, the log that's in my eye? Because of my attitude, the way I'm responding to someone's speck. And that speck now, remember, speck is a fault. We all have faults, don't we? How do you respond to faults by your mate? How do you, how do you respond? 
What kind of attitude do you have? Are you sensitive like Jesus to our faults? Or are we insensitive and kind of critical? You know, in other words, we have this big log in our eye and we want to help this person be the person they're supposed to be. When we are not the person that God wants us to be. So he says, go get the log out of your eye. Then you can see clearly how to get the speck out of your brother's eye. That's building on the foundation. Now let's have a couple of testimonies of some of the things uh, people are going through. Now, of course, we could have had many testimonies of many people, uh, but we don't have time to have, have a, about a couple of te- testimonies. Uh, Ed, come on up. Ed Pav, I call Ed. He's, he's, a, he's a, a single. And, uh, uh, yeah, there you go. Right now, you know, right now, you know. <laughs> uh, because a lot of times I do couples, but, you know. So tell us, uh, what are some of the things that, that um, you need to take to the cross, you know? If not, I know there's a lot of them, like it's a lot for me, okay? But just the ones you want to share with the congregation. Well, just one of them. I'm talking about one right now. Oh. But, uh, <clears throat> about several months ago, the Lord was speaking to me about, in the uh, first chapter, the 12th verse of James, talking about persevering under trials and how that shows our love for him. And I share that with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said, how does God spell love? Well, you know, persevere under trials. Mm-hmm. So since then, and of course all the time, but since then particularly uh, things have gotten a little bit <clears throat> worrisome or, you know, bringing some anxiety, things I'm really concerned about, mostly in relationships of other people with me and also with God. Mm-hmm. And... um so I've had to take a lot of that to the cross mm-hmm. and to exacerbate that situation. Of course, there's all the other things that are going on in life. So um, the Lord really has been saying to me lately, just trust me. Mm-hmm. And, and when I have questions, am I really following you? Am I really in the place you want me to be? Why is all this happening? Mm-hmm. You know, why is it like this? Then he's pretty much says to me, just trust me. I'm there. I'm working. That's good. Give him a hand. That's good. Uh, you know, most of us have to take that to the, to the Lord. You know, a lack of enough trust in the Lord when, when we don't see things. And I think, Ashley, you had something you wanted to share. Yeah, basically with me, I've had, you know, issues with um, just going to the cross daily. Um, pretty much struggling with interceding for my family, like praying for my, you know, my immediate family, Rebecca and Kezia and stuff like that. And then having that intimate time with the Lord daily, that was one of my struggles that I had a lot. And I've had to take that to the cross because the Lord always is tugging on, you know, each of our hearts to spend more time with him. So as the Lord was doing that, you know, I've taken that to the cross and now I'm interceding for my family more than I was before, a lot more than I was before, and even spending more time with the Lord than I ever did before. So actually, it's like you know coming up on a on just just coming up higher with Him, and you know just getting more intimate with Him. So good. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to read a verse first. And you know you want to preach now. So. <laughs> it is a. Uh... 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. 
Um, I've struggled now with a relationship with someone in my life for quite a few years, and it says in Scripture, you know, we're supposed to pray for those who persecute you and stuff. So I did my godly duty, and I prayed for this person and stuff. And I've been asking the Lord to give me a freedom from feeling hurt from this person and anxiety and um, just seeing that, you know, they're not changing, but the Lord's been changing me because I was praying for this person the other day, and I realized I actually meant the words. Like, it wasn't just I'm doing this because the Lord calls me to, but the Lord's actually changing my heart to actually love this person the way Christ called me to love this person. And I was able to pray for them truthfully for the first time in many years, and it felt great. <laughs> That's good. Give my hands. Praise God. And of course, we could go around all the congregation. I know all of you are going through some things that, um, that God is taking you through that you've got to take to the cross. So now the question is now, then how do we do that? How do we take things to the cross? Okay. We know we have a lot of things. We know we should. But how do we do it? And I asked my wife to share with you how she does. Okay. Um, he had asked also that I um, um, say some things that might uh, that I've had to struggle with, and I've had to struggle with a lot of things over uh, these many years that I've been been here. But um, one thing that I have struggled with is anger, and and I guess one of the um, and rejection, and just a number of things. But one of the the um, hardest things I think was uh, uh, fear. That was one era that has really, uh, ever since I was a small child, I really struggled with that particular um, area. And, um, and you know, it's just on, through God's mercy and grace that he's uh, helped me to overcome a lot of things because I've, I've had a, a quite a bit of fear. Um, um, but, and I guess the, the only way I could really, uh, and I know it's the, to me it's, it's simple, but it's not always easy to um, go to the cross daily, and uh, that's what I've had to do. And you know, and I've, I've even I think I've even struggled with rebellion, even against the Lord. I think it's just uh, just my own uh, attitude, uh, where He's really had to discipline me. You know, I was uh, Pastor was talking about a lamb uh, last week of um, you know how they they're. Uh, um, when they, they just don't know how to take care of themselves. But I always thought of myself as the lamb that he had to break the leg so he could help me to, you know, to, to do what I'm supposed to do. But um, anyway, uh, I, my, in my own personal life, and I felt like the Lord has led me to do this, is to, uh, to do what uh, Joshua had to do, was to meditate on the word daily. And to spend that quality time with the Lord that, that would help me not only to be able to, to change uh, inwardly, but to overcome a lot of things that, that the enemy has tried to bring against me. You know, you do, uh, it takes time to walk in, in, uh, in, in a place where God wants you to walk. It doesn't just happen overnight. It really takes uh, discipline, and, and in James it talks about perseverance. Well, God gave me that scripture long ago, years ago. And you think, boy, after a while you should be able to, you know, um, walk through some things. But, and you do. You come to a point where you're able to walk through some things, but, but there, there's always the enemy. There's always the flesh. There's always the world. 
So you you um, so you're going to have situations on a daily basis. So so my so what I've had to do is in my own life to discipline myself to get before God daily. I mean, it's not. Uh, um, I think after a while it becomes a habit. You know, you develop good habits as well as bad habits. So, so I uh, purpose to develop th- that habit, uh, not out of uh, not always feeling good about it sometimes. But when I leave God's presence, I always feel good. So, so that's worth it. Um, but um, and and sometimes it's through just your situations of desperation. I, uh, someone gave me. Um, piece of paper on the back, I think it was Debbie, Debbie uh, on the back it, it had this reference of a book, and it says the power of desperation. Sometimes I think you have to get desperate, you know, to, to, to spend that time with God, and I think I've been in that place too, uh, in, in different areas, but to me it's just, uh, it's like Paul said, I die daily, so in order for me to, to be able to walk in a place where I feel like God can that I can hear from him like I need to and, uh, and respond in a right way because I miss it quite a few times, but, but I just quickly ask for forgiveness and keep on going. And even to, to do that, you have to be before God because sometimes you don't know that you've sinned. You don't know that you've messed up until, you know, you, um, you know after you spent some time with the Lord. But, but that's, um, and, and to, in my own personal life, and this is just what I've had to do uh, because every person is different and God deals with people differently. But I actually have to make a schedule daily to, 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 uh, to keep myself on course because I've found that if I don't uh, use my time and discipline myself, my t- either the enemy will or somebody else will. So I purpose to use my time the way I feel like God wants me to use it. And, and then if I have to make adjustments and Try to do other things, and you know, so be it. But I, but I always schedule the Lord in first, and then I, you know, everything else works around Him. Thank you. Give the Lord a hand. Now, being in God's presence and devotion of time, God will speak to you. You get in the Word; He'll speak to you. He'll speak to you sometime when you're just riding along. He'll speak to you. Once you find out what it is you need to take to the Lord, now we're going to do what Jesus did. Let's go to Matthew 26. In, in that part of the scripture, you remember he went to Gethsemane. And so it says, when Jesus, in verse 36 of Matthew 26, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And we know this wine press. We know this, you know, it's like olive, uh, they had olive trees there on, on the uh, Mount Olives. And so they call it, the, some people call it an olive oil press. But it, that's where it says in verse 37, he said, and he took with him Peter and two of the sons of Zebedee. He had already told others to stay there. And he took the three a little bit further, verse 38. And when he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remember here, uh, remain here and keep watch with me. Now, we can we can say uh, that, you know, I need to go to the Lord because, you know, I need to repent of of this 
attitude I have towards this insensitivity I have towards people who do things wrong to me. I need to take that to the Lord. See, it's not enough for me to know that I'm insensitive. What am I going to do about it? You see, what am I going to do about it? I'm going to go and get before God. And now I need to work this thing out in prayer. So he went a little further beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? He said to them, for the one, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. I think that a lot of times what we do is that uh, we don't go to prayer like we should to get rid of these areas in our life. And therefore, we are tempted again by the same thing. Satan knows what button to push. If you haven't gotten rid of anger, anger is going to keep coming back with you every situation that uh, uh, doesn't go your way or people don't do what you think they need to do. You're going to get angry because you haven't dealt with anger. You know, if you're insensitive, you know, then he's going to have to keep working situations in your life that I have to become more sensitive. So I might as well get to the to my knees and say, God, take this thing from my, I, God. I'm too insensitive. I need to be sensitive like you. Help me, Lord. I don't want to mess up, you know. And then I start reading scripture. I start reading how he's sensitive, how he's weeping over uh, Jerusalem, how he's, you know, uh, uh, care about the people. He died for people uh, who were uh, spitting on him, who was uh, hitting him and beating him. He, he, he was dying for those very people. And so now, how, God, can you be sensitive like that? And the Holy Spirit started working with me because he knows my heart. If, if you go to God, his, your mama says, draw near to him with a sincere heart. God knows when you're sincere. And you draw near to him with a sincere heart and you're praying with him uh, uh, to him, then he's going he's going to get rid of that thing for you. It's going to take some effort on your part now. OK, but you're going you 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 will see that this thing going to slowly disappear. You know, and after a while, you're going to say, man, you know, I used to get angry over this situation, but I, I don't get angry anymore. I used to be, you know, uh, insensitive about this situation. Now I'm more sensitive about situations like this, you know. I used to, uh, uh, you know, do this right here. But now I'm not doing that anymore. Then, then that's a praise report to God. Not to you, but to God, what God has done in your life. And so you can praise God for what he's doing. That's how you take things to the cross, because that's what Jesus took to the cross. And so the disciples, they fell asleep. And so what happened when... Uh, Judas came and all the priests and everybody came. The first thing that they're going to do, uh, uh, one of them is going to take the sword out and cut the, the, uh, the servant's ear off. You know, and Jesus said, what are you doing? Put the sword back up, your sheep, man. You can't do that. If you're going to live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. He was sleeping when he should have been praying. You see? And it's the same thing that's going to happen to us. And, and we're not, we don't have to be sleeping necessarily. We can be busy about many things. We just don't get around to it, you know? Well, you, we got, we got to get around to it. If you're serious about getting the beam out of our, our eye, if you're serious about getting rid of issues that's in our, our life, we're supposed to be just like Jesus. When somebody rub us the wrong way, the sweet fragrance of Jesus Christ should come out. It shouldn't be this attitudes come out, you know, and all this kind of stuff that, that, that I have sometimes. You, you can't do that. 
And the fruit of the Spirit tells us we're supposed to be, we're supposed to have love, joy, uh, peace, you know. And, and that's, that peace is not the peace that, oh, everything is, is going so good in my life. Peace is when everything is going bad, but you have peace because you trust in Jesus Christ, you know. Everything is looking contrary to where, where you want it to look. You know, your marriage, your children, everything could be looking bad, but you say, I got peace because I know Jesus is working in my situation, you see. Because you're going to the Lord. That's what we, we need to do. And that's how you take things to the cross. Now, is it, is it, um, is it a simple thing? Absolutely. Do you, did you already know that? Absolutely. You knew that that's what Jesus did. He went to Gethsemane. You knew that. But are we really doing it like we should? And most of us, like me, say, no, I'm really not doing it like I should, you know. But now, when are we going to start? I said we should need to start today. When you hear a message, we're responsible for responding to the message, right? I'm not telling you something that, um, you know, I was out cutting grass and thought about, you know. This is something that, that I'm talking about. The word of God is saying. I, that's why I give you the word of God. So it's nothing to me. It's the word of God. D- do you hear what I'm saying? It's the word of God. If the word of God is not right, then we're all in trouble. You see? But if the word of God is correct, then we can say, well, praise God. I hear from God today, you know, because I don't want you to hear from me. I want you to hear from God. If God is saying something, then we need to respond. Is that correct? Let's stand to our feet. Give the prayer team to come up. The first thing that we need to always do is if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, you don't want to be like those. Uh, Jew, Jewish Christians that profess Christianity, but uh, they were really not saved, you know. They were in church. They were doing, you know, all, had all the Christianese and all that, uh, you know, they knew all the language, but they really were not saved, you know. You don't want to be in church that, you know, you're, uh, you're there because your parents are there, you know. And so the word of God is not, not effective in your life. You don't even listen to the word of God, you know. Uh, you need to be here because Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. And you want to hear what Jesus is saying because you want to serve him more and more every day. And if you need to repent of some things, you know, then repent. You know, go home and, and, and uh, find out what God is saying to your life that you need to get rid of. Then take it to Gethsemane. Take it to your prayer closet. Get before God and cry out to God for help. If you cry out for God to help, he's going to answer you. If you ask him, God, I have to be more patient, God. I have to be more long-suffering with my mate, Lord. I have to be more long-suffering with my children. I have to be more long-suffering with my employees or employer. God, I have to be more, uh, you know, long-suffering for those who uh, work with me, my co-workers, Lord. I have to be more long-suffering, Lord, just in, in general. I have to be more long-suffering, Lord. Then he'll work that long-suffering in you because that's what he wants in you. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is in us, and he wants to come out. He wants long-suffering to come out. He doesn't want our flesh coming out. So we have to yield to him, okay? Have to yield to him. Uh, we have uh, the uh, two people up, uh, Elder Sam, and, and we have Barry up. That, you know, if you need prayer for, you know, prophetic word, they want to pray with you. If they hear anything, they will give it to you. You know, they, they don't hear anything, they won't tell you anything, you know. They're not going to fake it, you know. They're going to give it to you, okay. 
Elder John, could you come up and Deidre, come up? Uh, uh, Joanne, could you come up and help pray for people? Ms. Hollow, can you come up and help pray for people? We just want to remind you that um, these folks here are ready to pray for you. If Whatever need you might have, even if you just want a blessing, come on up and experience the blessing of the Holy Spirit. And uh, be sure to greet Pastor William Minerva on the way out. They'll be standing out front. Now we're going to bless you the way that we bless. As God commanded Moses to bless the children of Israel, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. Go in peace today.